Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Greetings and welcome back, Giants fans, to the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com. After, I guess, a brief hiatus, Ryan Dunleavy and Matt Lombardo back with you here. A lot has happened since we last joined you. The NFL draft has happened. And of course, Ryan, the Giants have uh, who they believe in Daniel Jones to be Eli Manning's franchise quarterback of the future successor. Yes, it's a been a long time because we taped one of these last week and it got lost in cyberspace so you we have a lot of interesting things that we said that no one will ever hear it's really a shame because that could have gone on the matt lombardo ryan dunleavy greatest hits album now it's just stuck in the vault somewhere and giants fans will never be able to hear it but a lot has happened we've had the draft we've had the post-draft rookie mini camp the assistant coaches spoke yesterday and we're going to get into all of that and share our thoughts on daniel jones and how this young team is now starting to take shape on both sides of the football because there have been a lot of changes but before we dive into a little bit of housekeeping for you of course if you like what you here we would love if you would subscribe on apple Podcasts. check us out on iHeartRadio, google play stitcher throw us a like on youtube you can check us out and stream us there and be sure to follow us on twitter he's at ry dunleavy i'm at matt lombardo nfl and we always love those five-star reviews they help us grow the show let us know who you want us to try to get on as guests and uh you know we'll dive right into it here ryan obviously you look at the draft you look at rookie minicamp and of course we got to talk to the assistant coaches and I think the headline that jumped out at me, and that's why I wrote it right away on Wednesday afternoon, was Mike Shula after one weekend with Daniel Jones. Obviously, this isn't going to be the situation here, but he believes Jones is capable of starting week one, that he has that kind of skill set. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think most quarterbacks now come into the NFL and there's pressure immediately to start. Look, head coaches only get uh, Steve Wilkes got one year. Some coaches get two years. Three years is like the bear is like the maximum now. So like uh, there's so much pressure. There's so much immediacy. There's so much, you know, uh, everything sped up in today's world. So, uh, yeah, it used to be that the model Dave Gettleman joked about. We think he joked about. Uh, the Aaron Rodgers model of sitting. Oh, don't get me started. Uh, <laughs> don't get me that, started on that. That doesn't happen anymore. Even it's rare for that Patrick Mahomes situation where he sat for, you know, pretty much his whole rookie season. That's rare. Quarterbacks come in now, Carson Wentz or um, 
Deshaun Watson or whoever, and they pretty much start from week one, week two, week three. Rosen, Darnold. Uh, Darnold Mayfield. started week one last year. Rosen all played, made, I believe, at, 14 games. Uh, they Mayfield all made played at least, 13. Yep. Yeah, they, yep. they all made at least 13 starts. Yep, and the silly so. thing before we get completely into Daniel Jones and if he can play right away, th- there's a little bit of, of, of you know, uh, parsing of the words that we need to do with Dave Gettleman here because it's a much different situation. You took Daniel Jones, number six overall. Aaron Rodgers slid to number 24. Brett Favre was in the prime of his career at that point. So you could afford to let Aaron Rodgers sit on the bench for three seasons. It was a different world economically. The Giants invested the sixth overall pick in Jones, and we've seen over the last six years that Eli Manning isn't in the prime of his career. He's in the twilight of his career. So I think the Giants feel good about what they have in Jones. They have the luxury of not having to play him right away. But, Ryan, if this thing goes off the rails at some point this season, I think Mike Schultz saying after rookie minicamp and not even seeing him in training camp in pads that he's able to start week one that's only going to strengthen the voices in week nine week 12 week 14 calling for jones to take the reins from manning for the rest of this year yeah I, I look i don't i don't put too much stock into that quote i mean i know everybody else did you did a lot of reporters did a lot of fans well what's he supposed to say i don't think he's ready to play like uh, I, I I didn't get too worked up by that quote. I could certainly see where it will fuel the fires, but to me, it was just like him giving a kid a you know a, a, a pat on the back of confidence. Um, but that doesn't mean he. Is, I mean, again, that doesn't mean he wouldn't start in most situations. I think he probably would because I think most teams you play the kid and that's how you operate the Giants do not operate like most teams I think Eli Manning will probably be the quarterback till 2025 so um (laughs) I just that's that's what it is I what uh a kid that guy who won the 100 years of season tickets his offspring will get to see uh Eli Manning in 2025 2030 2035 Correct. I think he'll probably hand the baton off to Charlie Manning, the son who he had uh, back in February. So, um, look, here's a couple other things I want to touch on. We're going to dive more into Jones. I thought so, but we'll go in reverse chronological order. Yesterday, I thought James Betcher was really one of the stars of the day, as he usually is. He's a head coach in the making. He takes the podium. He gives an eight-minute opening statement. He touches on everything that we want to talk about. He knows what we want to talk about. I thought a couple of things were interesting. One, he said he didn't bang the table for Ed Oliver, Josh Allen, because he already kind of knew the Giants were going quarterback. Gettleman had, you know, kind of approached him earlier, asked him all the questions. There's an open dialogue in the coaches. That doesn't happen everywhere. I thought that was really interesting. And then two, I asked him point blank. He was saying the defense is going to be more aggressive, relentless, attacking. Well, that's nice. Is it going to be better? We heard all you of took- those same adjectives last Correct. last season it- coming into the year, by the way. Yes. Is it going to be better? Like, you lost Landon Collins, Olivier Vernon, Snacks Harrison, Eli Apple, and you replaced them with a bunch of guys who have never done anything in the NFL. They have nice, you know, they ran nice at the combine, or they, you know, were they have nice college resumes, but they've never actually done anything. So is this defense actually going to be better? Like on paper, it is worse. 
worse than the defense that Dave Gettleman set out. The number one thing he was going to do this offseason was improve the defense, get more playmakers. Well, O'Shane Zimenez and Dexter Lawrence and DeAndre Baker and Marcus Golden and Antoine Bethea and Jabril Peppers are not as uh, proven as the guys you left. So now you really went all in. You've you've taken a full-out bank investment on potential. Right. I, I look at the DeAndre Baker pick, and I see a guy who can step in and pr- play right away. And James Betcher and Everett Withers both said earlier this week that, you know, as of now, he's going to be your starting outside cornerback opposite Janoris Jenkins. I think that has a chance to be an upgrade over what you opened the season with a year ago in Eli Apple. Dexter Lawrence, uh, one of the largest human beings that I've ever seen, and, and you look at him, um, he's built like a Mack truck. We'll see if he can generate any sort of pressure on the inside. But they have a little bit of redundancy and skill set there, Ryan, because Dalvin Tomlinson and 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 Dexter Lawrence and, uh, you know, those, those guys are both prototypical nose tackles. One of them is going to have to play defensive end in a 3-4. Zymanez is going to be called a on to, to take significant amount of snaps. They're taking a big gamble on Marcus Golden being healthy and returning to the form that he was 18 months ago. That's a gamble. Listen, I don't think week one that this defense is going to be better than it was last season, but I don't think that they've taken as big a step back as a lot of people do because Olivier Vernon was banged up through most of last year. If, if, if Golden can get on the field and stay healthy and you're starting Lorenzo Carter going into his second season, I think there's some promise there. I I don't see Jabril Peppers being a significant drop-off, especially in coverage from Landon Collins. And I think that when you look at the nickel, whether it's Grant Haley, Sam Beal, or Julian Love, who obviously doesn't have any experience, you, you have guys who are kind of built to play that spot. So I think they have a chance to come together. It's probably a work in progress, but this isn't a playoff team this year anyway. I don't think that anybody uh, has any realistic aspirations of this being a playoff team in 2019, um, but I think that they have a chance to take a step forward as a defense with the personnel they've added. Yeah, I've already booked a week of vacation for January 1st of next year. Yeah, there's no. Uh, no, let me say this. Uh, neither you nor I covered the Giants' Eli Apple's rookie year, but apparently he came in like a house on fire. So why why should we assume that DeAndre Baker's – I'm just playing devil's advocate. Why should we assume DeAndre Baker's better than Eli Apple? Eli Apple was a problem – in the locker room, but Eli Apple was a decent player. Like, why should we assume that DeAndre Baker day one is going to be better than Eli Apple? I, th- I think he has. Yeah. A, I think he's a better skill set, and he's better built for this system. He's a physical press cornerback with great ball skills. Okay. Doesn't have necessarily the high end speed, but he was also the the first defensive back, cornerback, or safety chosen in this draft. And we can say the Giants was were the Apple? ones to do it. Was Apple? I'd have Apple to was the tenth pick. Yeah, he was the tenth pick. Yeah, but I don't think that if if the Giants don't take him there, I think that he would have slid down the board. I'm well, that you could say the same thing about Baker. You could say, I mean, you could say the same thing about Baker. If the Giants don't trade up, who says he's the first corner taken there? No, that's fair. I, I just look at, his, at 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 Baker's resume coming out of Georgia versus what Apple was coming out of Ohio State, and kind of yeah, uh, tendencies yeah. to get beat. I, I just don't think that Apple was as highly touted as right. Baker is, and I don't think that he okay. was as much of a fit as Baker seems to be for this scheme. Listen, Baker and, could go and out then, and be and, and, and be yeah. burnt toast, right? He yeah. could go out and and, and be a guy who uh, is, is swimming by week one. I'm just looking at him as a player. 
I think that where the Giants' secondary was last year, what I, where I would walk into the press con- press box every Sunday and think to myself and ask various you other colleagues, who's the Giants' best de- defensive player? And we'd sit there and do the Dave Gettleman trying to figure out who it was. I think that they have some real talent that they've brought in this year. It might not manifest itself right away, but I think they have more talented players right now than maybe they did at, at the level those guys were playing a year ago. Yeah, I, I completely disagree. I, I, I think Dexter Lawrence maybe becomes Snacks Harrison at some point, but he's a long way from it. Maybe DeAndre Baker, but he's a long way from it. Maybe O'Shane Zemines or Olivier Vernon is as good as Olivier, uh, Shane Zemines or Lorenzo Carter is as good as Olivier Vernon, but he's a, they're a long way from it. Maybe, but I mean, I do not. I think the Giants got noticeably worse on defense. Uh, I now look, maybe it's addition by subtraction. If you want to say those guys were overpaid or they weren't great team guys or whatever, maybe it's addition by subtraction that way. I, if you want to sell me on potential and chemistry and all the intangibles, okay. But quantifiably, I think they got much right. Better. I'm just looking at what they were a year ago, right? And you look at Olivier Vernon banged up, suffered seven the high ankle strain, seven and a half sacks in 11 games. Um, you, you know, Lorenzo Carter is obviously going to be playing more snaps right away. He steps into that role. Uh, Connor Barwin was the week one outside linebacker uh, because of the Vernon injury. Um, so you, you plug Zyman as in there kind of in the same role with what Carter was. Again, I'm not saying that this is going to be a top top 10 or top 15 defense in the league. I don't think it's anywhere close to that, but can they finish 17 or 16 when they were 19 a year ago? I think they can based on the potential of the young players and just how there were so many rotating characters in and out of that lineup last year and guys who look Landon Collins didn't finish out the year. He had, he had injuries again and we saw his liabilities in coverage show themselves once again. We've already touched on Vernon's issues and I think they have a chance to be a little bit better up front with Dexter Lawrence and BJ Hill and Dalvin Tomlinson than what they finished with last season. Again, it's potential and I know that that's the buzzword that, that you keep harping on here, but I just don't think that the defense that was here a year ago left a high bar for them to clear. No, I would agree. I, I think they're still not going to clear a low bar. That's that's kind of my expectation. Um, but we should go back to quarterback. And you were at rookie minicamp. I was not. What was your – I'm sure you had two eyes and ears and – you know, nose on Daniel Jones. What did you say? It was a Daniel Daniel Jones show all weekend. And the first day, I thought he looked a lot better than the second day. I thought that he showed the requisite deep ball arm strength that was one of the question marks coming out of Duke. I thought that he uh, was accurate, got rid of the football relatively quickly. And the best thing about it, if you're a Giants fan, when you're watching this is he wasn't he didn't look like he didn't belong. And again, th- these are shorts and shells with a bunch of guys who are going to be selling insurance or driving trucks or working office jobs in in 10 weeks' time because it's only rookie minicamp and it was mostly tryout players and UFDAs on the field. But, I, but Jones wasn't spraying the ball into the parking lot. He wasn't overthrowing balls or putting balls in the dirt. Uh, him and Darius Slayton, Slayton dropped three or four balls in the first eight targets, but he made two or three really nice catches towards the end and they seemed to really develop some chemistry. Sunday, I thought Jones looked okay. Or excuse me, Saturday. It was a Friday and Saturday camp. Saturday, I thought Jones looked okay. 
Um, James Betcher in the defense had two or three blitz periods where they focused on adding pressure on the quarterback. I thought the ball came out a little bit quicker. You had Jones throw a tip ball interception where DeAndre Baker uh, tipped the ball to one of his teammates who picked it off and took it to the house. And then Ryan Connolly had a ball hit him square in the hands, and he just dropped it. The linebacker did out of um, Wisconsin. So a little bit less sharp, a little bit less accurate from Daniel Jones, but he looked like he belonged on the field, and he already looked, I think, as if bare minimum he's going to walk into training camp as the second best quarterback on the roster, and it's going to be really fascinating to watch him and Eli Manning every single day, what they look like in practice, and if Jones is really nipping at his heels. Here's what, for anybody who's driving right now or sitting at home scoffing at, he better look like he belonged on the field. Here's what I will say. We left rookie minicamp last year, and there's a huge difference between the number six overall pick and a fourth round quarterback. But we left rookie minicamp last year. Kyle Ouellette is a very nice kid. We left rookie minicamp last year, and we were like, oof, like, he he's going to have a hard – he's a long way away. And uh, it was his arm strength. It was windy in on the Meadowlands, etc. But it was very obvious there that Kyle Oletta was, you know, a long way from being an NFL quarterback. And it does not sound like Daniel Jones was that. No, and I think that when you look at Daniel Jones, yes, he was the sixth overall pick, but you, you talk to people around the league and they, they there's a lot of dispute over Dave Gettleman's claim that they couldn't have had him at 17. My point is this isn't – Baker Mayfield coming out of Oklahoma. This isn't Jared Goff coming out of UCLA. This isn't Carson Wentz. This isn't even Sam Darnold last year as the number three overall pick out of USC. Uh, there, there, were, there was a lot of debate and a lot of question about Daniel Jones as the sixth overall pick. And for him to step on the field and look competent in rookie camp, I think that's, that's a positive baseline for the Giants to build on and something that uh, Giants fans should be kind of excited about. Let's go into this because we spent a half an hour on it last week. You'll never hear it, but uh, we won't spend a half an hour on it this week. But let's spend five minutes on it. Where do you fall on the Giants six for Daniel Jones versus Dave Gettleman saying there was a fact he knows he would have been gone by 17. Schefter reporting he might have been there at 30. Uh, some people saying the Redskins liked him. Some people saying they didn't. It said there's a zillion reports. Uh, a report that somebody wanted Daniel Jones to play tight end. Where do you fall on all this? The Giants taking their this guy at six versus waiting later in the Yeah, game. I think that Dave Gettleman, and I wrote about this Friday morning of draft weekend, I thought that he once again completely skewed value and analytics by passing on Josh Allen and taking Daniel Jones. And I think there's just way too much smoke in terms of, you know, Bruce Allen coming out and saying, essentially, keep my name out your mouth when he said that, you know, <laughs> they're the Redskins. You know, Gettleman might know some boards, but he doesn't know ours. Uh, the Mike Kills report out of De out of Denver that the Broncos were all in on positioning themselves to take Jared Locke or uh, Drew Locke rather in round two and that, that Daniel Jones wasn't on their board. Um, I'm not buying and I wasn't buying for a second that they couldn't have had him at 17. I thought that unnecessarily Gettleman was almost spinning and defending himself for making the pick when all he had to say was, hey, we love this kid. We saw him. We fell in love with his skill set. We fell in love with his personality. He's our guy. 
finito, done. That's all you needed to say. But instead, there was this this spin and this PR blitz to put out this narrative that I believe to be demonstrably false, that there were two teams trying to get him at 17. Listen, you could have taken Josh Allen at, at six, and you had – 10, 10 more selections, including 17 overall, where you could have tried to trade up and get Jones as early as pick eight or pick nine, um, where I think there were some teams that might have been willing to wheel and deal out of that spot. Um, so, again, I'm not buying that Daniel Jones had to be chosen at six. I think that they would have had a much better draft haul if they had Allen and Jones. But if they believe that Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback, then obviously um, you go get him and you take him. But I don't believe Jones was the number one, two or three uh, quarterback in this year's class. They clearly do. And I don't think that you needed to take him at six to assure yourself of getting him. They obviously thought that they needed to. That's a good spot for me to jump in, because here's what I will say. I fought the Giants. And by fault, I mean, I disagree with, let's put it that way. I disagree with their evaluation, not their process. And to, what I mean by that is the process is if he is your number one quarterback and you are in the market for a quarterback and he's not just your number one quarterback this year, he's your number one quarterback, including the guys you passed on last year. Then you take him at six. I'm surprised they didn't trade up into to like three to take him because <laughs> That's what you do if you're that confident. If you have such a high grade on him that he, you can't miss him, you can't risk losing him, then I love the process of taking him at six. My problem is I don't think he's good enough. I, I disagree with how good they think Daniel Jones is. I'm very worried that a lot of it is uh, speculate, projective speculation on, oh, if he had better players at Duke, oh, if he was – in a, if he was at Ohio State, he could have been this. If he was this, he could have been this. No, what is he? Not what could he be? Not what if you put him here, if you did this, if you did this, if you did this. Like, no, just tell me what he is. Just evaluate him. And I personally, I thought Dwayne Haskins was the best quarterback in the draft from a talent standpoint, as we've seen with Dwayne Haskins through some of my own reporting and some of the things that have happened since the draft. He would have had John Mara face palming in his office, uh, starting his own marketing agency, asking a legend for his number, just very non-Giants-esque things to do. So I'm not surprised they passed on him. I'm not surprised if we find out they didn't want Kyler Murray because he's too small, because again, that's not Giants-esque. So I'm not surprised he's the guy they wanted. I think they certainly could have got him at 17. But I don't fault them if they were in love with him for going for six. I think that is what you do. And I think that we're, everybody's going to talk about Dwayne Haskins versus Daniel Jones. And I think there's some merit to that conversation. But let's just put this out there right now. Daniel Snyder was all in through the entire process on Haskins. Now, I can't speak to whether there was a faction in Redskins Park in Ashburn, Virginia, that had Daniel Jones over Haskins. But the owner's going to win out when it comes to a franchise quarterback. If the owner says, this is the guy that I want to build the franchise around, he's the pick. And it's, it's very possible that John Mara did the same thing. And this is just speculation on my part with Daniel Jones over Haskins or over Locke or over any of the other quarterback prospects they looked at. So there's that angle to this. But I also think, Ryan, that we need to view 
the scopes of the careers from this moment forward of Daniel Jones and Josh Rosen because the Miami Dolphins basically acquired Josh Rosen for a song. Right. They, and yeah. we know that the Giants had conversations. I reported um, an hour before the draft that those conversations were ongoing between the Arizona Cardinals and the New York Giants. Dave Gettleman said afterwards that there there were talks about Rosen and, and uh, a potential trade with Arizona. As it turns out, that was a contingency plan for if Jones somehow was off the board by number six. But I think that moving forward, we need to look at what does Daniel Jones become with the Giants and what does Josh Rosen become with the Dolphins or elsewhere in his career because Haskins and Rosen were both very real options and possibilities for the Giants as Eli Manning's successor. I agree and Rosen's somebody who I would have been I said Haskins was my number one quarterback in this class I I would have made a severe a much bigger push than the Giants made for Rosen I certainly wouldn't have waited till the 11th hour but let's say let me get one uh let me get one thing in here if Daniel Snyder was all in on Dwayne Haskins I would be totally comfortable being in any opposite camp from Daniel <laughs> Snyder that's right if Daniel Snyder told me he was all in on Brett Favre I would pass on Brett Favre that's 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 how I feel about how that Redskins organization is run right now Yep. So. No, I, I don't disagree with that, but I'm just trying to, to explain to people that yeah. when Dave Gettleman says he knows for a fact that two teams would have taken Daniel Jones yeah. before 17, these are the teams that have come out and basically said, hey, it, it wasn't us. And and again, this has been litigated and relitigated in the days and weeks after here's, the draft. Here's one thing, though. Number Well, two things, really. Number one, why would a team come out and say the opposite? What What would a team gain from saying, yeah, it was us. We were going to take Daniel Jones, but we got stuck with Dwayne Haskins. Or we were going to take Daniel Jones, but then the Giants took him, so we traded out of our pick from 10 to 20. And like, There's no upside in admitting you lost your guy. So like, Not on the record, but I think that you could get an executive off the record to yeah. say, like, you know, Jones was on our board, or Jones was the guy that we looked yeah. at, and we haven't even heard any of that on the record or anonymous, anonymously since. Yeah. And here's the other thing I would say is we're all assuming that it's you know the Redskins, Bengals, Broncos, Dolphins, Dolphins and and you can also whoever. look at what those teams did. As well. It could it could have been why? How do we know it wasn't the Chargers who would have traded up from 28 to 16 to or the Steelers who you know or who would have traded up from 20 or like how do we not? How do we know it wouldn't have been one of those teams in a very Eli Manning situation? Old guy. Uh, we, Daniel Jones visited the Patriots, right? How do we know the Patriots wouldn't have moved up? Like, uh, look, I, I'm not saying he's right. I think he's wrong. I think, I think he got duped. I think that, he that's genuine, it right there. That's it right I think there. He because... genuine, I think Dave Gettleman is not lying. I think Dave Gettleman is telling the truth that he believes that two teams would have taken him. I just think. He's, he got duped. I, I, I think also think, he, I agree. I think he got bad intel, whether it was from within his building or anything that happened outside of um, Quest Diagnostic Center that they might have been privy to. I think he got bad information, and I think that this whole conversation sprouted out unnecessarily because of the public relations campaign that he went on after making the pick. And look, Daniel Jones might go on to win a Super Bowl for the New York Giants. He might go on to win a playoff game for the Giants, which yeah. is something that... Uh, 
you know, Eli Manning hasn't done since Barack Obama's yeah. first term. So yeah. you, you look at, at, at what Daniel Jones has the chance to be, this is all going to be a footnote to it or not even mentioned. But if he goes on to bust out or only start 22 games for the Giants before they move on and Josh Allen goes on to be a Hall of Famer or Ed Oliver goes on to be a multi-time All-Pro, then this is going to be looked at a lot differently than the optimism that people are starting to feel about Jones. Yeah. What? Uh, so again, you were at rookie minicamp. I was not. I'll tell you why I was not in a minute in case you don't know. But uh, give the fans, give the listeners, you've met, you You said you loved Baker. You talked about Jones. Give me somebody from the mid rounds, late rounds, or a UFA who impressed you at rookie minicamp. Yeah, I think it's got to be Darius Slayton. I mean, you look and he dropped. I think it, really? I think I it was. so many drops. Yeah, I think he read, he had three drops in the first wow. six targets, but the way that he came back and, and overcame wow. that late in the practice, uh, that, that showed me something. And he had some speed. They lined him up on the outside. And listen, you look at the giant skill sets, and I, I have a story about this coming out this weekend with kind of the redundancy in Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard both being primarily slot receivers. The Giants don't really have that vertical threat, and Slayton has some high-end speed that you can move him on the outside. He's obviously going to get a lot of reps with Daniel Jones throughout the course of these OTAs and minicamps because Jones won't be working with the ones. He's not going to be throwing to Golden Tate, not going to be throwing to Shepard or even Corey Coleman. I think Slayton has a chance to, as the summer progresses, working with Jones and getting his timing down there. If he impresses with Jones and gets bumped off the depth chart, I I thought that he could be somebody that contributes um, some meaningful snaps at some point this season. That's interesting because everything I read about Slayton was all, all the drops. So that's interesting. That's good to know. I didn't know that. So I'm sure the audience didn't know that. I was at the funeral for Dewan Simmons uh, out in Kansas, Washburn University. He's the uh, best friend of Giants draft pick Corey Ballantyne. Uh, Ballantyne was shot in the buttocks. And Simmons was shot and killed uh, last week. Just a tragedy. 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 Our prayers have been with Washburn. Our thoughts have been with Washburn. Um, I got to spend about an hour with the Washburn football coach, Craig Schurig, a Willingboro, New Jersey native. Uh, I knocked on the Ballantine's front door and talked to Corey's dad. Um, And then I went to the funeral and observed Corey. Um, Just an absolute tragic situation. I hope everybody reads my story. Uh, Corey handled himself with courage and grace during this funeral. Uh, S- Simmons's life was honored with a powerhouse funeral, an absolute sh- uh, absolute show to all that he was, and uh, apparently a kid who was just a fireball of energy. And I think I gotta say, I think the Washburn football community, the Washburn University, the Topeka communities, the Lee Summit, Missouri communities handled this as well as anybody could handle it. an absolute tragedy and. That whole community has really rallied and showed a showed tremendous grace. Um, from a football standpoint, Corey Ballantyne was limping uh, while I saw him. I would be very surprised if he's able to be on a football field anytime soon. But he is expected to join the Giants, meet his teammates uh, for May twentieth for the first OTA. Maybe he shows up before that, but that would be kind of the report date I look for for Corey Ballantyne. 
Uh, I don't think he'll be on the field, but I think he'll be with his teammates May 20th when OTAs. Yeah, and your story did a terrific job of putting the reader in the church. I'm reading the the story the other day, and I felt like I was sitting in the funeral. So you did a really nice job with that, Ryan. Uh, I I also thought that it was noteworthy that the Giants sent two representatives to the funeral and yeah. Again, you know, not every organization is going to do that. I, I think that what Pat Shermer did in terms of telling Corey Ballantyne to stay away for rookie minicamp, again, it's probably difficult with the injuries to hop on a plane a- and get to those practices anyway. But just the fact that Shermer and James Betcher have reached out to Ballantyne and basically said, hey, we have your full support, get through the grieving process, get your mind there, and, and when you arrive here, you know, be ready to go and we're here for you. I think that that is a class act on the Giants' part. Yes, correct. Uh, Everett Withers, the defensive backs coach, has been in touch with him. Ronnie Barnes, who's the uh, uh, works, you know, I don't know, I can't remember if he's the team doctor, um, but he, you know, works in the medical end of it, um, was out there. Jesse Armstead, kind of a player's liaison to the front office, was out there. Really first class uh, gesture that made a definite impact in Washburn. I know that it, the people were talking about how the Giants handled it. And then Ballantyne, the number one thing that Betcher said he's told him is don't worry, you're not falling behind. You're not losing ground by not being lo- having your playbook. And when I, it was three practices, you'll catch up fast enough. And from a Giants standpoint, they really like this kid. They really think he's a heck of an athlete. They think they stole him in the sixth round. Um, they uh, look the the whole secondary is going to be fascinating this offseason, right, Matt? I mean, we're talking about Jack Rabbit and then basically five corners who Haley played last season, but really five corners in Haley, Sam Beal, Ballantyne, DeAndre Baker, and Julian Love. Five guys who are basically rookies. Rookies are you know second year uh, players, yeah. Second year plays, but Haley's really the only second year player. And he, you know, even he didn't start playing until midseason. So we're talking about five guys who are basically as raw as they can be competing to see who's number two and who's number six. And I think it's going to be interesting what they wind up doing with Julian Love because, again, uh, similar to DeAndre Baker, physical guy, really doesn't have the speed to play cornerback, though. And that was one of my observations early um, in rookie minicamp last week is that he got beat a couple times, um, you know, on the outside, and it didn't take long for them to slide him over to safety. I I think that Love has a chance to be the number three safety or number four safety on this team um, somewhere underneath – Jabril Peppers, Antoine Bethea, and Michael Thomas, I think there's more of an opportunity for Love at the safety spot rather than cornerback. And I'm going to be really intrigued about what they do with Sam Beal. He's a guy who didn't make it through the first practice of rookie training camp when Pat Shermer brought the rookies in for three days before the rest of the veterans got to camp. Uh, Then he was shut down with the season-ending shoulder surgery. I'm going to be real interested to see what happens there, how Baker and Haley all fit into the mix. But you're right, there's a lot of opportunity for young guys to get on the field and it's also going to be fascinating to watch Janoris Jenkins and Michael Thomas and Bethea kind of be that that player coach trying to instill the system and good habits onto these young players uh, who are in the, basically getting into the NFL either for the first time or approaching their second year. Yeah, so I think we've pretty much touched on everything. I'm starting to get a little worried about my internet connection. So uh, I think this is probably a pretty good point to wrap it up. We'll uh, 
We'll definitely do podcasts during OTAs. Um, yeah, we'll try to get on we a weekly schedule from here on out. We'll see what we can do there. But we have the OTAs coming up. We have mini camp and then the summer break before training camp. So, again, if you like what you've heard, we'd love if you would subscribe. Follow the show on Twitter at TalkIsCheapNYG. Ryan is at R.Y. Dunleavy. I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. And if you love what you've heard, we'd love if you leave us a five-star review. And we're going to start reading these at the end of the show. Uh, this one comes in, Ryan, from your oral surgeon. Uh, the headline is refreshingly objective. So I don't know if you went to the dentist lately and you talked up the podcast, Ryan, but he said it's nice to hear a couple of professionals discussing the team objectively and rationally. Since they aren't on the Giants' payroll, they can say what we all are thinking. Keep doing what you're doing, guys. Great job. So I don't, it's certainly not my dentist or my oral surgeon. Maybe it's yours, but we do thank him for the kind words. Yes, absolutely. So uh Thanks, and uh, we'll be with you again uh, as soon. Football season's here, folks. The draft is over. Free agency. Maybe the Giants will add a player or two, but this is pretty much your 2019 Giants roster. It should be a lot of fun. For Ryan Dunleavy, I'm Matt Lombardo. We'll talk to you soon on the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com. <laughs>